0: Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's maze & Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Our guest today is one of the best college basketball writers on the planet. Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit will be with us in just a moment. First, a few of my thoughts to get us started. Just like that, the first month of the year is gone, and it flew by. It was a long one for Jawan Howard and his team. They have been in sort of a funk, playing without Isaiah Livers, and then their captain gets suspended for one game. Luckily Xavier Simpson is back though. It hasn't come off the rails for this team. They have kept battling, and their NCAA tournament chances are still very much alive. We've won the last two, and there are signs we are turning the corner as a team. Brandon Johns is rapidly progressing and he looks more like that four-star kid out of Lansing that Coach Beeline signed. Franz Wagner is up and down as you'd expect from a freshman, but it is also obvious he has a very high ceiling. At some point we'll get Isaiah Livers back too. It's February and this is the month where it should start coming together and we make a move. We have ten games left and not one of them is going to be a gimme. My guest today says this week is pivotal for Michigan. Ohio State and Sparty at Chrysler, and if we can win both of those games, which is a tall order, it could be a sign we are in for another exhilarating stretch run. Brendan Quinn from The Athletic joins us next, here on The Michigan Man, in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maize & Brew. Here with us on our game day segment this week, talking Michigan hoops, and it's been a while, Brendan Quinn from The Athletic. Great to have you back with us, Brendan.
1: Mike, always a pleasure. Many, many years into doing these now.
0: Oh, yeah. We go back to the uh, the old M Live days, of course. That's right. Uh, That's right. And then now with The Athletic, and of course, uh, for those who are not subscribers to The Athletic, We'll have to give them the information in our show link this week. Outstanding work you do there. Yeah, it's been a long time. And this season, uh, Brendan, let's, uh, this has been a wacky season so far. And, you know, looking back at uh, Madison Square Garden on Saturday against Rutgers, really a huge win for Michigan. Xavier Simpson was back. But to me, Brandon Johns keyed that win. As we're watching him progress over the last month or so, do you think the light bulb has popped on for Brandon?
1: It's. I mean, it's certainly seems that way and he's a guy who's always kind of really um I think sometimes his biggest obstacle has been himself and he's also the really the first to kind of admit that 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 he has gone and and kind of battled some confidence issues and and, and things kind of in that arena um and it's I mean the talent has always been there I I always tell the story I remember watching him play AAU um I want to say summer before his junior year in high school and you know his profile was really rising and I'm watching him and you know he's a a up-and-comer in the state of Michigan and um, everyone's assuming Michigan and Michigan State are going to you know go to war over this kid and I'm watching him play and I'm like man like I don't know if this kid's going to be Michigan or Michigan State like this this guy might be a you know get into that next realm of you know the top 20 recruit one and done type guy i mean he just has that ranging combination of size and talent and athletic ability and kind of you know i don't even know if people really understand like his leaping ability and stuff like that um i mean he is just a physically gifted player and he had his size and he can go out and hit perimeter shots and, and play in the interior but like he's always just kind of needed an edge to him he's just kind of needed to I don't know understand how good he can be and I think these are the baby steps are coming a little faster nowadays and uh it was was really always there Mm -hmm. um and it's just you know with example number 500 why you know (laughs) fans readers whatever the one year doesn't mean okay let's just this kid should probably transfer out let's get another body in here blah 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 you know uh, dj wilson even at this point in his sophomore year was still kind of in the woods um you know it just comes together for guys differently and it's, it's usually you know the, the bigger guys too it's, you know guys with size who are still growing into their body and understanding you know what physical basketball actually looks like and things like that that they can't just dominate by being out there um they actually need it's it's effort it is um a want and you're seeing that for him
0: well you wrote an outstanding piece in the athletic over the uh, the weekend titled the xavier simpson paradox brendan um you mentioned that maybe saturday marked the beginning of simpson starting over as michigan's leader why do you say starting over
1: well i mean let's look at it this way you know he he kind of became the face of the program um toward the end of his sophomore year and he wanted that he kind he 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 wanted to be the leader, the biggest voice, the alpha, and uh, and with that, over the last year and a half, while that you know while before Juwan Howard's arrival, this was in every way John Beeline's program. The inside of that program ended up becoming kind of a marriage of his disposition and his demeanor, and everything else. Everything kind of just morphed into who he was. I was in with the team in uh, Spain. And that was really when you kind of saw things take shape because uh, Muhammad Ali, Abdul was gone. Duncan Robinson was gone. Mo Wagner was gone. And suddenly it was just, everyone was just following Xavier. And you know, how has he done with that this year? Um, internally and things like that. I think he is a, He's a guy who can be, you know, a little, I do not say on an Island, but he, he, for the amount of attention that mm-hmm. he gets outside and the amount of internal, uh, reliance that is, that is upon him. Um, sometimes you wonder, you know, where is he leading this thing? So, um, if, for this suspension to happen mm-hmm. and you know, right. So the details have not been disclosed, whatever. Um, but if there was a suspension, that means there was a bad decision, right? If you right. make, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you, if you just did something, whatever, it, it's usually um, something that can be handled, you know, without this extent of, of a punishment, but for there to be a suspension, there had, the, the basis of it had to be a bad decision. Um, and, to do that in late February or late January of your senior year, when it, your whole team is counting on you, it just, it struck me as something um, that maybe spoke to, I don't know what, you know, where's, where's his head at? Where, where is he in terms of accountability for what, um, how much everything kind of is reliant yeah. upon him, fair or not, but you know, he wanted it, you know. He did want to be the face of this program, and that's this is what the being the face of the program looks like. You can't can't put your guys in a situation of going to play a road game at Nebraska. I don't care if Nebraska is terrible, which it is. Like, you can't put your guys in the situation of having to go and play that game without you. Um, and you know, is this a a a time for him to kind of make a, a a change and then maybe refocus things and maybe change the way that he goes about some things? Maybe. You look back at Derek Walton's senior year, you know, he made some mental changes in the the, stri- the downstream. And now it was a very different situation, but he made some changes in his personality and the way that he went about doing things. And that was really kind of the jet fuel that propelled the the finish that year of a year that looked eerily similar to this year Mm -hmm. early on
0: well I think the last sentence in your piece on uh, the weekend captured you know what Xavier Simpson means to this team so well and without actually saying that you mentioned that when the bus arrived back at Chrysler in those early morning hours after the Nebraska game there was a single shadow in the darkness waiting for his team Suspension aside, what he is still an exceptional leader for this team, isn't he, Brenton?
1: Yeah, I mean, and and that's the thing. It's everyone knows how good of a leader he is. You know, from everything I've been told, he handled this you know as well as as possible. In terms of, I started that piece off by saying you know he walked onto the team bus and shook everyone's hand mm-hmm. before it left, and then he Facetimed with the team at halftime of the Nebraska game, and he was texting with Isaiah Livers the whole time, and he was sharing his thoughts, and he was being engaged, and he didn't kind of let himself get isolated by the, uh, the situation that, that he was presented with, and yeah, and, and he was standing out in the middle of the night uh, outside of PDC waiting for the, the team bus to return to greet his guys, so Xavier's personality its one of those that is so large mm-hmm. that it kind of has a title pull to it title being T-I-D-A-L. Like, you know, if, if he's going, you know, the the I don't want to say the wrong way, but, it, it, you know, if he's just a little bit off course, then the whole thing kind of goes off course, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, when that suspension popped up, this was, I, I looked at that as, this is going to be one of two directions, right? He's either going to maybe be a little bit contentious about this or something like that, the whole thing is going to fall apart. If he goes the other way and owns it, and uses this as a, like, situation of this it will not be part of my legacy, right? Because if he does all the right things and this thing turns around, no one will be talking about this in two weeks, um, let alone ever even remember it as part of his legacy. But, you know, if that's on him to, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of decide which way he takes this thing.
0: Well, you know, after 21 games, I get, you know, questions the last few days uh, from a lot of my listeners saying, you know, hey, what kind of a team is this at this point? I have to say, I've answered it the same every time. I really have no idea. And the best answer I can come up with, even after 21 games, is it's still a work in progress. How would you answer that question right now?
1: It's hard sometimes to remember that it's February 3rd and that um, there are seasons that if you go back and look at successful runs that teams have had, um, you know, even Michigan, for instance, it's not that uncommon to kind of have these feelings about teams at this point in the year with michigan in terms of it growing i mean they they lost three guys who were basically nba caliber players they lost the coach that had kind of molded the entire image of the thing this was always going to take a while this was never going to be a um a, a flawless seamless transition you have a coaching staff that the head coach and the three assistants no one ever worked together once for one season before this year the closest thing you have was Juwan Howard and Howard Isley once playing on the same NBA team together. Other than that, no one's ever worked together. So, yeah, this thing was always going to be, um, I think, probably a lot more complicated than anyone wanted it to be. But, you know, that's also kind of the deal that comes with success. You just expect it, and it doesn't really work that way. But when you look at a guy like Franz Wagner, I think he's one of the perfect examples of what it takes kind of time-wise for – like you said, you know, a work in progress to actually play itself out. Um, you're starting to see a guy who's becoming, I think, far more, I don't know if comfortable is the mm-hmm. right word, because he's, he's never seemed like he didn't belong or he never seemed overwhelmed by any means. But, you know, there's a difference between being willing to put up shots and being willing to make the right play. You're seeing him go to the basket more and, and put the ball on the deck, he's shooting 58% on two point shots. Like he really is talented and, and can cover so much space with the ball in his hands. And if he can get a first step on guys, he can really get into the interior defenses. And you see, you know, the biggest thing that jumped out to me about Brandon Johns the other day was not the made three pointers. It was the fact that he put the ball on the deck a couple times, got two, um, got into the inside of the defense and was kicking out and making plays that you've never seen him make. You we've always just kind of known like, yeah, you know, Brandon Johns can kind of shoot threes. It's, it's not, he's not a light out shooter, but you know, he has to be respected by opposing defenses, but seeing him do that part of things that's different. And that's what comes with time. And, you know, I think you saw at points in the second half of that Rutgers game, what the ceiling can kind of start to look like. And that's when you have Wagner and John's on the wings playing the way that they played in that game. Xavier Simpson doing what he did as kind of this just mad scientist in the ball screen and finding every which way to get the ball to his guys. John Teske, um, you know, battling and doing his things. And then, oh, wait, you still have Isaiah Livers there who, you know, uh, everyone on your audience, I'm sure is going to knock on wood the second I say this, but, um, will presumably be back at some point. You saw the different teammate just even injecting 15 minutes into that loss against Illinois, just what he can do, um, and just how big and how different it is to have a three-point shooter of his caliber and a guy who kind of really fills out the rotation in terms of, uh, of, of defensive options. So they're getting there. Um, I don't think they've ever did enough damage to kill the season. I remember being asked about, must win games and blah, blah, blah in late January. And I'm like, man, there are so many games left. This really can be turned around. Like, you're literally in the span of a week. And this is the week Ohio State, Tuesday night, Michigan State on Saturday. You know, if they go and get two wins this week, right? The entire conversation's different. Everyone's going to, it's going to be, oh, man, how, uh, is this a second weekend team in the NCAA tournament, right? It's just like these mass swings <laughs> of, of uh of perspective it's always just so fascinating it's why i love the college basketball season. it's the perfect length longer than football shorter than the nba and all that stuff it's just right in the sweet
0: spot oh absolutely so this it is a huge week and uh we could have a big swing uh by this time next week but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how it rolls out another thing brendan you of course uh, cover michigan state for the athletic too and they dropped mm-hmm. one in madison on saturday another road loss i think All three of their conference losses have been on the road this year, haven't they?
1: Oh, let's see. Yes, that'd be right. It would be, what, Purdue, um, Indiana, and Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, the the thing about them is that they've given up just mass, dug themselves massive holes in all those games. They should have dug themselves a massive hole in the game at uh, Minnesota um, last weekend, but Minnesota missed – Every open shot, they they have wide open threes all over the place. Couldn't buy a bucket, but that could have very, very easily have been a you know thirteen four game at the first uh, media timeout. Michigan State's kind of their, their slow starts on the road is starting to really become the kind of major talking point in East Lansing right now, and lo and behold. They have a pretty big road game
0: next weekend. Even with their struggles on the road, everyone is struggling on the road in the conference this year. It's absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still look like the best team in the Big Ten to me, but wow, has Illinois really impressed me. They they look like the real deal right now, don't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, Illinois, what they have managed to do defensively and kind of completely flipping the script of what that that program was, uh, really impressive. You know, they lost at, at Iowa on, uh, what was that, Sunday,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um but still, gave up. I think they, they allowed seventy-two points, which has to be one of the lower totals that Iowa has put up at home. Uh, but but Illinois' defense has been great. Uh, Kofi Coburn just makes a world of difference uh, in the middle defensively. He's just even even if he's not blocking shots, just the way he affects um, teams' offensive mentalities. It's it's really been impressive. Their ball pressure defense on the perimeter is uh is different than what it was in terms of, you know, playing out to 45 feet from the basket, right? But, you know, mm-hmm. they're they're on-the-ball defense. Maybe because these guys kind of came up playing that way or were recruited to play that way, they really are good on-the-ball defenders. Um, and then Io Desumo, I mean, he is just a cold-blooded killer. He's, just, he's a winner. Obviously, Michigan saw that. But, yeah, Illinois and Maryland are right there on Michigan State's back. I agree with you mainly because of the combination of of Xavier, or I'm sorry, of Cassius, uh, Winston, and Xavier Tillman, mm-hmm. I still think Michigan State's probably the best team in the league. But you know, the hole at the four position is really kind of rearing its head um, in key moments, and that Wisconsin game was a major example of it. And you know, I, I think that the Xavier Tillman's performance in that game was a total fluke. It was just a really bad day that it happens. But you know, the four position, four position is a uh, still an issue. Cassius Winston's kind of peaks and valleys through games remain an issue. Uh, There's kind of a lot going on there, but I think this is a a true race to the finish here. And yeah, it's Michigan State, Maryland, Illinois in in my book as of, what did I say, February 3rd?
0: Well, a final question for you then, Brendan, and we'll let you uh, get out of here. Uh, And it's on this Michigan team, sort of circling back to something we talked about a couple of minutes ago. Fans wonder, has this team hit their ceiling? And we've talked about, you know, Franz Wagner starting to look more comfortable out there. Brandon Johns really coming along. And as we both mentioned, Isaiah Livers is going to be coming back. And it is the first week of February. So do you think that this team really has hit their ceiling? Or do you expect that with this personnel, they're going to be better down the stretch? I mean,
1: I would be inclined to lean uh, the other way um, and say that they have not really approached their ceiling and in reality what was seen in atlantis probably wasn't really representative yeah. of their season yeah. and it was because they just didn't miss a shot um, <laughs> I think they can play as well as they did in atlantis without having to shoot 55 percent on threes and sixty percent from the field whatever it was if that makes sense right like I don't think what was seen in Atlantis is really going to be kind of the recipe for how this team is winning, um, but it can win at that level. So that's kind of a convoluted answer. But there are a lot of really bright signs, I think, for for this group to kind of latch back onto after what's been a, a stretch that really tested it. And you know, I remember talking to Eli Brooks after the win at Nebraska, and he was saying, you know, if we can figure some things out, what we just went through on that four-game losing streak will really pay dividends, I think, in terms of um, psyche, in terms of kind of being tested and, and all those things. And he could be right. He could be proven to be very right on that. Um, I've seen it before in teams. And I remember Michigan State going through a three-game losing streak last year and everyone thought the sky was falling. Mm-hmm. And whatever, six weeks later, they're in the Final Four. Um, you know, the the, the question – comes down to the schedule as well. Um, you know, they, they need to take care of some business here these next four games. You have Ohio State at home. You have Michigan State at home. You have Indiana at home. And the only road game is Northwestern on the road. Northwestern's the worst team in the conference. If they're going to make a move, need to do so. You know, they, they dropped two home games to Penn State and Illinois, which is really can kind of put you in uh, a major bind in terms of uh, how this conference is playing out. So these three home games that are coming up in the next four games are absolutely critical. Uh, The last five games, I believe offhand is four road games in the last Mm -hmm. six. You don't want to go into that stretch, like, you know, dangling on the bubble, You, you know, you just need to kind of build yourself up here. I think a little bit and then, and then fight through the finish and maybe, you know, try to split those last six games or something like that. But if they're all must wins, you're just going to be gassed. So, Um, you know, there's, there's more opportunities out there than I think most people realize. And then even when you get into the big 10 tournament. You know, there's a good chance that the Thursday of the Big Ten tournament is four quad one games. There's opportunities everywhere, and, and the NCAA tournament, I think, is still firmly in sight for this group.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Going to be a fun uh, fun couple of weeks. Fun next month, so we'll see how it rolls out. But with us on our game day segment this week has been the outstanding uh, basketball writer from the athletic, Brendan Quinn. Great to have you back with us, Brendan, and uh, we hope later on as the season winds down, we can get you back. Of course. Thanks, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. On Quick Hits today, the Michigan women's basketball team beat number 18-ranked Iowa, the Big Ten's first-place team, by a resounding 78-63 score on Sunday afternoon. We always talk about signature wins, said Wolverine head coach Kim Barnsarico, and how important they are in your season. And Iowa is a tremendous team. They have a tremendous RPI. It is a quality win for us. Sophomore Naz Hillman led the way with a career-high 30 points, and sophomore point guard Amy Dilk contributed 14 points and 6 assists. We are 14-7 overall, 5-5 in the Big Ten, with eight games left to play. Purdue pays a visit to Chrysler this Thursday. Tip time is 7 p.m., and the game can be seen on BTN. Hockey split a pair with number 11 Ohio State over the weekend, winning 3-2 on Friday night and dropping the finale 4-1 on Saturday night at Yost. Michigan will return to action Friday when they take on Wisconsin at home. Puck drop is scheduled at 6 p.m., the game will be broadcast live on the Big Ten Network. We are 11, 12, and 3 overall, 6, 8, and 2 in Big Ten action heading into this weekend's play. Softball swings into action in Tampa this week in the Wilson D. Marini tournament with five games. On Friday, we'll play Georgia State and Illinois State, Saturday, USF and Florida, then on Sunday morning, a getaway game with Fresno State. Coach Eric Bakich and baseball get the season going next weekend in Scottsdale at the MLB 4 Collegiate Tournament. On Friday, it will be a repeat of the College World Series when we open with Vanderbilt. Saturday features two games, one each with Cal Poly and Arizona State. We'll wrap up the first weekend of play with UConn on Sunday, so it is great to have softball and baseball back to talk about. Thanks again to Brendan Quinn for being with us today. He is always a great guest, and we'll have him on again in the coming weeks. That will do it for another show, though. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. And until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maize & Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at Podcast at yahoo.com. That's Podcast at yahoo.com.